Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you very much uh, to everyone for being here today. First of all, I want to mention that we are, of course, gathered to here, gathered here today on Treaty 6 land, and we respect the histories and language and the culture of our First Nations and Métis, Inuit, and the First uh, Peoples of Canada, uh, whose presence continues to enrich uh, and be a vibrant part of our community. And thank you to West Yellowhead MLA Martin Long and Mayor of Whitecourt Tom Pickard for being here as well today. The uh, hazard season uh, this year was unprecedented and a real test of strength for Albertans and their communities. As many as you know, as many as you, many of you know, uh, it was the first time in Alberta's history that a province-wide state of emergency was declared. Following the relentless fury of the wildfires that swept through the province, leaving devastation in their wake. Um, nature dealt another blow in June with a significant uh, flooding in Edson and Whitecourt and Yellowhead County and Woodlands County. Still grappling with the disruption of wildfire evacuations, uh, many residents in these uh, communities uh, now found themselves having to flee again to escape the flooding. As you can imagine, this was an incredibly challenging time for these folks, uh, made even more difficult for those returning to damage homes and businesses. We recognize that uh, recovering from this uh, kind of disaster is a challenging task, which is why the Alberta government is stepping up to help. Today, I'm pleased to announce that the Alberta government is allocating up to $68 million in new disaster recovery program to help communities and residents shoulder this financial burden. This funding will help cover uninsurable costs incurred during the floods, including damage to homes and businesses, public infrastructure, emergency operations costs, and cleanup efforts. The amount of financial assistance will vary uh, by community depending on their response and the recovery costs, and funding will help cover non-insurable costs incurred during the floods, including damages to homes and businesses, public infrastructure, emergency operations costs, and cleanup efforts. A cost uh, share will be applied uh, in which all applic applicants will cover 10% uh, and the government of uh, Alberta will cover the 90% of the eligible costs. For, homeowner for homeowners, this funding is capped at 500000 for applicant. We will uh, review applications on a case-by-case -case basis to provide impacted uh, communities and residents with the support and assistance they need. Applications are now open until February 26, 2024, and I encourage affected individuals and businesses, of course, to apply today. More information about the program and how to apply is available at alberta.ca forward slash DRP. And while the road to recovery may be challenging, the support and resilience shown by residents is truly inspiring. This financial support reflects uh, our dedication to supporting the people of Edson, Whitecourt, Yellowhead County, and Woodlands County during their time of need. I want to take an important moment uh, and thank the volunteers and, of course, the first responders who contributed to keeping Albertans and their communities safe this hazard season. It was truly one of the worst that we have ever had. Uh, we can all be proud of their collective efforts and our resiliency in the face of so much adversity. I, along with uh, these Im impacted communities, are grateful for your heroism during a time of true crisis. 
We want to thank you for your bravery and commitment to our safety, and we will continue to work uh, closely with you to help recover and make our communities even stronger. I also want to acknowledge my uh, Assistant Deputy Minister, uh, Stephen Lacroix, is also here with us today. He is the head of Alberta Emergency Management. And with that, I thank you so much, and I'd like to pass the podium on to MLA Martin Long to say a few words. Thank you, Minister Ellis. Residents in West Yellowhead have endured a lot this past year, from forest fires to heavy flooding. We've experienced adversity unlike anything I've seen in my time living there. It's been a challenging time for the communities in my riding, and I want to take a moment to acknowledge the resilience and the strength my constituents have shown in the face of these challenges. While the past summer has made life immeasurably harder for too many of my constituents, I'm proud to share that the government of Alberta is stepping up to the plate to help relieve some of the financial burdens and make life a little easier for those affected by the floods. This disaster recovery funding initiative is a significant move to provide the support our communities need to recover from the aftermath of the June flooding. We all know that insurance can only go so far and the financial burden from flood-related damages has destroyed the livelihoods of too many people. That's why this initiative is designed to specifically address those uninsurable costs, helping my constituents rebuild and recover without the heavy financial strain. It's more than just dollars and cents. It's a commitment from our government to stand by you during the rebuilding process. We understand that restoring our communities isn't just about fixing what's broken. It's about rebuilding lives and ensuring a better future for all of us. In the coming weeks, you can expect practical measures and assistance to be put into action. And I urge anyone who has been affected by last summer's flooding to submit, to submit an application for flooding or funding so they can start to rebuild their lives. This is a collective effort, a partnership between the government and our communities. Together we can and we will overcome these challenges and emerge stronger than ever. I'd now like to introduce the Mayor of White Court, Tom Pickard, to offer a few remarks. Thank you, Martin. Minister Ellis and the entire government. Uh, this past summer, White Court has had a very uh, difficult time. Uh, we had significant uh, fire uh, smoke uh, issues early in the year, and then in mid-June, the uh, uh, McLeod River Basin and the Athabasca River Basins received uh, the most rain we've, we've seen in, in many, many years. And uh, our community and our region suffered significant damage. Our infrastructure in town, uh, there was other areas uh, where public uh, and private uh, people, the golf course, uh, significant damage. But for White Court, primarily the river spurs, the river erosion areas, and vital infrastructure around abutments and culverts. These all are significant, and uh, we really, really appreciate the provincial government assisting us in, in making this uh, better for our community and, and working on, on uh, fixing these areas and our entire region. Woodlands, uh, Yellowhead, Edson, and White Court all suffered significant damage, and we truly appreciate the government's efforts to help us rebuild. Thank you. One sec. Uh, this brings us to the uh, question period of our uh, portion of our announcement. Uh, we have some media here on the floor and some on the phone. Uh, Minister Ellis and uh, all parties are available for questions, so we'll just start here on the floor. And uh, just someone has a scent on, so I'm just having a little problem here, so that's okay. Uh, so we'll just start on the floor right away. 
Mr. Is under this program, like how soon would uh, an applicant get the money? Well, I think I think it's best for Stephen to answer that question. But uh, certainly, we encourage everybody to put their applications in uh, right away. And then, as far as the the time lapse, uh, maybe I'll pass that on to Stephen Lacroix. Uh, thanks, Minister. Yeah, I'm not going to be very helpful, uh, to, to, to be perfectly honest. Uh, so submit your application as soon as possible, and we will go through each of those individual applications uh, as soon as possible. But if uh, if there's no disagreement, let's say, between, between us and those individual cases, uh, the, the process is actually relatively quick, and, and we deal with these uh, frequently. Unfortunately, uh, I would say the agency is pretty good at this. Uh, given uh, the, the relatively recent history in Alberta. So do municipalities have to also apply, or is that just for homeowners and businesses? Yeah, municipalities have already applied, and they've been approved already. So that hurdle uh, has been crossed, and it provides the umbrella uh, under which uh, business owners, NGOs, and uh, individual applicants can submit their applications. So would Mayor Pickard have his money already? For he, could, he could seek. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, the, answer, the answer would be maybe... For the fires, uh, no for the floods, but we are in a position to advance up to 50% of that amount actually relatively quickly, and that's like in weeks. Mayor Pickard, can you update us on the cost estimate? And back in September, City Council was estimating $2.6 million between the flooding and the fires. Is that so accurate? Right between, just between 2.6 and 3 million for White Court, yes. Uh, that was the flooding, uh, the flooding damages that we had sustained primarily in Festival Park, uh, the uh, and then the um, spurs along the river, and then the other culverts and abutments. Uh, that's primarily where our damage is in town. Uh, I know my county neighbors had significant other damages, and but I don't know what their numbers are. I'm also wondering, um, Minister, we, we learned about the 68 million in the, in the most recent fiscal update if we're talking about the same thing. I think in the fiscal update it was called assistance for summer flooding. I think today we're t referring to spring flooding, but I think it applies to the whole season. It does. Right? Yeah. But um, we also heard from officials that that number may change depending on federal um, federal reimbursement uh, for their disaster funding. So can you outline, and I think the, the number they threw was $102 million in federal support uh, that we saw in the fiscal update. Can you outline what eligibility requirements there are for yeah. the province to then get that money back and how much you might be expecting that? Sure. Uh, I'll, I'll talk, uh, we'll say the, the higher level and the relationship with the federal government and LC won't come in with the, the more specifics. But um, despite what people think, actually, I have a really good relationship with my counterparts uh, in, the, in the federal government. Uh, you know, uh, Minister Blair, uh, Minister Sajan, um, uh, we actually worked very collaboratively together. Uh, we've worked, we worked uh, collaboratively uh, during uh, the natural disasters over this, uh, this, past, uh, this past year. And um, I appreciate the support that they were able to uh, provide Alberta. And uh, I know that uh, they appreciate the support that we were we able to provide um, in, in the, the folks that were displaced from the Northwest Territories, as an example. So we have a very good relationship. And as far as the detailed part of that question, I'm going to pass it over to Stephen. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Mr. I think I'll be a bit, a bit more helpful this one, <laughs> on this one. Uh, so, yes, we are in... Uh, 
uh, an agreement with the federal government for reimbursement for, for disasters. So are the other nine provinces and three territories. So that thing is called the Disaster Financial Assistance Arrangements. Uh, the current version of it is valid till the end of this calendar year. We'll, we'll see what happens in the future. But the playbook right now, it's a bit of a sliding scale. So I'll, I'll, I won't geek out too, too much and bore you with, with numbers. But uh, the first $16.6 million that uh, Alberta incurs for a disaster, we get zero from the federal government. The next 16, we're, we get 50%. After that, you know, it, it goes down, so 16, and then we, when we hit 49, we're at 75%, and anything that remains is 90%. All this to say, we could expect, uh, once the, the, the books are tallied at the end of the exercise, that for the $175 million for which I have expenditure authority for the fires, we will get something like $60 million back-ish. Uh, and up to maybe 30 million out of that 68. But uh, you, you, you can quote me on the, on the formula, but the exact number is going to take years uh, and a, numbers, a number of audits uh, to go through to, to get uh, a, a precise figure as to how much money we're going to get back from Ottawa. And having said that, they're looking at changing the formula uh, sometimes in, in, in the next year. So we'll see where that goes. And that would be a question addressed for the federal government, of course. Thank you. Uh, I have two questions. Uh, the first one will be for uh, the mayor of White Cod. And the second will be in French, Mr. Lacroix. I would like to speak in French. First, Mr. the mayor. Yeah. Um, what do you uh, currently have to effectively uh, fight flooding in your municipality right now? Is the support an announced today by the government sufficient to, uh, um, to solve your flooding woes. The first question is about the, the, the needs you have in your municipality now. Yeah. The, the repairs and, and the, the work we've had on cleanup have already been conducted. We've already expended uh, uh, that money. Uh, we have the, the amounts uh, for the repairs. Those repairs on abutments and uh, the culverts and removing and clean up have been done. Uh, the areas on the uh, river spurs, uh, we have those in an estimate right now. I, I'm not sure. Just we have to watch water levels and capacity of when we can get onto the river to make those uh, repairs. So part of our work has been done, and the other part is projected uh, for those repairs. The question was also, is, is the support provided well, we always appreciate any support from the provincial government, uh, but yeah, this is this is vital to us. That uh, it's a responsibility we have to all citizens in our region, and and this is is part of our partnership with the provincial government, and we'll work with this and all other uh, sources of funding to ensure we we make that uh, safer for people in our area, and we make these uh, reparations. Um, so we're just going to take one more question from the floor, and then we'll head to the phones. Oh, sorry. Okay, sorry about that. Okay. Oui, allez-y. Repréciser l'annonce d'aujourd'hui et nous dire ça, ce qui est annoncé, c'est pour pour gérer un problème ponctuel. Qu'est-ce que le gouvernement planifie sur le long terme pour Parce que les questions des inondations, c'est une réalité qui revient dans la province. 
qu'est-ce qui est planifié sur le long terme Mais d'abord, préciser l'annonce d'aujourd'hui en français. Yeah, so the question was to uh, repeat essentially the announcement in French, so I'll, be, I'll do that briefly, but uh, probably the more important part of the question was what are we doing or looking at in the future to, to mitigate the effects of flooding euh, donc, je, je vais répondre en français en premier. Donc, l'annonce, euh, c'est 68 millions de dollars mis à la disponibilité de quatre municipalités pour euh, subvenir euh, aux, aux pertes encourues pour euh, les, les inondations de, de ce printemps et de cet été. Euh, ce, que, ce que nous faisons dans le futur, bon, il y, y a 15 de cette somme qui peut être euh, octroyée pour euh, des mesures préventives dans le futur. Euh, et ce que je vous dirais, c'est que l'Alberta est très... Euh, présente aux tables de négociation fédérale afin d'avoir plus de fonds mis à la disponibilité de la province pour prévenir les, les désastres en futur. So, uh, I won't repeat the whole thing because uh, one was a repetition of what has already been covered by, by Minister and Amelia Long uh, about the numbers for the announcement. But what I said uh, is that 15% of that amount, 15% of that $68 million, can be applied to uh, mitigation. Uh, and uh, the, the, the last bit that, that I covered there as well is that, personally, uh, I, I don't think that the 15% is necessarily uh, sufficient to, to deal with uh, what we're facing collectively uh, in terms of uh, natural disasters. And uh, I, for one, and, and I know the government of Alberta has, has been very vocal uh, with uh, federal counterparts uh, as uh, future announcements are made Uh, by Ottawa, changing again those disaster financial assistance arrangements and other federal programs to make more monies available for mitigation programs. Thank you. We'll just take two more from the floor, actually. So, Catherine, you want to go ahead? Yeah, yeah so I guess um, on, on that topic, if, if I'm remembering in March, um, you kind of changed the rules for the disaster recovery for um, homeowners, and it's not only the $500,000 cap, but it's one-time funding only. Are you, are you reconsidering that as, as we see um, an increase in, in disasters and um, perhaps more uninsurable damage as years go on? Well, I think we go down a very slippery slope if we're starting to um, uh, provide funding for uninsurable losses because why would people have insurance, right? So we're, 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 we, have to, we have to look at the insurable issues uh, that are coming forward, and I think that um, uh, Deputy uh, Assistant Deputy Minister Lacroix is very good at what he's doing. When, you, when you we're talking about um, mitigation, as an example, I think you may have touched on that, or if I doubt, I certainly may have misheard you on that, but uh, when it comes to mitigation, um, sure, we're working with the federal government on this. Um, we have been very respectful on them, and it's not just myself, it's been other provinces, as an example. Um, we do believe that the federal government could do more to help the provinces when it comes to, to, to mitigation. I think the uh, – I don't have the exact number. I know what uh, my, my ADM does. But the amount of money that uh, may seem like a big number um, – was it five? five? 1.8 billion. 1.8 billion. Again, may sound like a big number, but when you divide that through – all of Canada, it really is, is not that, that big of a number. So that, I think, you know, in our conversations at the federal, provincial, territorial meetings, certainly I noticed that the federal government has acknowledged, we'll say, that, uh, you know, that's a space uh, worth having a further conversation with. And, and I think we're working well on them to, um, you know, help, you know, help us, right, as provinces to, to make sure that we provide these mitigation efforts. 
I guess to clarify, I thought that the DRP was for uninsurable overland flooding. But I do have a question for the mayor, because you mentioned Festival Park, and I know you're hoping to build that cultural and events center. Um, does the fact that it flooded have any impact on the location or plans, plans for that center? The proposed center would be outside that flood area. Yes. Okay, we'll just take one more. Thank you. Uh, my question is for the Minister in regards to public safety. Uh, as you know, um, we've had several uh, violent attacks at one LRT station just in the last couple of weeks alone. Over 500 violent attacks at LRT stations just year to date. In April, you said enough is enough, that you're taking action to fight this violence on, on public transit. Um, can you give me an update as to what the province is doing to curb this violence and whether or not those 50 officers you promised back in April have been hired? So, um be careful here. There's an announcement coming, so there's going to be a media announcement coming. Uh, but uh, I think that's all I will say in regards to the 50 officers in both Calgary uh, uh, and Edmonton. So I will say on a very high level, of course, our commitment is to make sure that we have the boots on the ground, that we make sure we have the officer presence, and we know that officer presence matters. Uh, certainly the reports that I've got specifically in regards to Edmonton um, are that the, the, the sheriffs uh, have been very, very helpful. Uh, they, they have uh, statistics uh, showing, you know, what they have done to, um, we'll say, offer officer, offer that presence within the city of Edmonton. Uh, also helping uh, people direct them to the necessary social services, which I think is vitally important. Again, you've heard me say this at a very high level that this is, you know, our, our paradigm shift here is that we are not going to be an arm of the state. We'll be a, a extension and reflection of the community that we serve. And so um, I, I've seen that, and I've seen that I've seen that shift in the way officers have been interacting uh, with uh, with uh, with individuals. And our goal right now is is, and this is, you know. Sound corny, but it really is is truly to, to help people, and and that is kind of the goal that uh, that, um, that 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 I have that this government has, and um, yeah, I mean, regards to the 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 violence that is occurring right now. Look, yes, I, I do say this. Enough is enough. I mean, I, I guess I will say I am certainly appreciative that C48 has passed, but as I have also said, um, we will see if it, if it has the effect that we hope it's going to have. And the position that I have still has not changed. If C48, once implemented, is ineffective, then we will be demanding that C75 be repealed. And, um, and then we're looking at any other mechanism we can to get a handle on the, the violent crimes. And quite frankly, it's the organized crime. Um, the organized crime not just here in Edmonton, but I would say throughout uh, throughout Calgary, Alberta, sorry, talking to my counterparts throughout Canada is is absolutely out of control. The the soft on crime policies that are that have been implemented by this this federal government has you know again you guys know this I mean I'm an experienced police officer it has allowed it has allowed organized crime to thrive with little to no consequences. And uh, I think you're seeing the brazenness of organized crime where they have no problem doing a shooting during the day. Uh, they have no problem doing a shooting in the middle of a parking lot. They have no problem. And why is that? Why? Because, because what are the consequences? Right now, they're, they're, they're insufficient. I'll leave it at that.
Yeah, just as a follow-up on that, yeah. looping in again the public safety front, gun violence, we've seen two malls go into lockdown because of firearms yeah. in the last week. We had somebody go to hospital, somebody's carjacked yesterday. Yeah. Um, earlier this year, again in April, millions of dollars towards the gang suppression unions, with all due respect, doesn't seem to be helping right now. Um, we're waiting on Bill C-48 to show an impact, but like, what, what can you say to well, Albertans who are terrified right now sure. to take transit yeah. or go to the mall to do holidays? Well, um, let me just say this. The... The, the, there, well, there has been a bit, there has been impact, and I'm sure the, I'm sure my team will be able to provide you some statistics on this, but certainly numbers that I've seen from alert and arrests, and you know, believe me, even I've, you know, watched news stories and see that alerts made, you know, taken X number of drugs off the street or taken X number of guns off the street or made organized uh, crime uh, arrests. Those are all good things, but I mean, this is a wave that is, is, is coming into, um, well, it's coming into Canada. I, you know, I wish I, you know, I, I appreciate that I'm the, the minister responsible for Alberta, but I'm just seeing this right across this country right now. So I have to start thinking outside the box, right? And one of the things that we are looking at, quite frankly, is is trying to constrict the the money that the organized crime is getting right now. So if the if the justice system is not keeping these individuals in jail and what is known as pretrial custody, just as an example, right, then we have to make it less profitable for them to do business. What does that mean? Well, um, you know, we certainly have uh, mechanisms under civil forfeiture. And then talking to my uh, counterparts uh, throughout, uh, throughout uh, Canada, quite frankly, I, I will just say this, although Alberta was... I think the first to do civil forfeiture, at least that's what I was told, um, it has not been updated in a number of years. And what we are seeing right now is many provinces across Canada, including, including our friends in British Columbia, who are using that as a definite tool in a toolbox to go after organized crime. And I think that we need to reassess that piece of legislation right now. And I think we need to use that as a tool in the toolbox to go after organized crime. We have to make it so that it's less profitable to, for organized crime to do business. And I think that would have a cascading effect and hopefully making sure that it's, um, you know, that, that they're, not, they're not doing business in Alberta, quite frankly. Okay, we have some reporters waiting on the line. Uh, we're going to head to the phone lines. I'll get the, rep- uh, the operator to put through the, uh, the first caller, please. Jonathan Bradley, Western Standard. Hello, Minister Ellis. Thank you for taking my question. Hi. My first question for you is you spoke about uh, the flood damage that was caused and all the planning uh, required after it. What has this experience taught you? Well, you know, one thing I tell Stephen and the team is, and, you know, although, although I would say that even my, my, my friends in the, in, in, the, in the federal government, and, yes, I use the word friends, I do get along with them, yes, I have to say that, um, you know, they have, they have outlined that Alberta Emergency Management, and it's the kudos I to go to Stephen and the team, um, had, did an outstanding job. Um, one thing I learned in command is that we don't rest on our laurels. We have to say, what could we have done better and what could we have learned from the things that did not go perfectly, as an example. So right now I'm waiting for an after-action report from um, uh, Stephen Lacroix. And uh, I would just say this, um, I'm always looking to improve. I'm always looking to make sure that, uh, that uh, we are prepared uh, going into the next fire season, as an example. And uh, one thing that I talk about all the time is I want consistency throughout this province. The same services that uh, we get in Calgary and Edmonton should be the same services as that we get everywhere in this province. So that's one thing that I'm striving for right now. Thank you. Um, did you have a follow-up question, Jonathan? Yes, I did. 
so with these floods, um, one of the main causes of them, of them was uh, climate change, and you know, obviously, uh, various areas haven't adapted uh, to that, you know, to prevent damage. What are you going to be do? What are you going to do to help these areas adapt? to future climate-related incidents. Yeah, well, really it's about working with the community, quite frankly. And again, Stephen and his team uh, do a fantastic job in working with the community. Um, I think you heard me talk about this uh, already. Um, you know, we want to work with the federal government to to kind of step up their, their support on these uh, climate-related uh, disasters uh, and mitigation, as an example. So um, I, I believe they've, they've heard us. And again, we're going to continue with work with the uh, local municipal governments, but we're also going to work with the federal government as well to make sure we can provide those supports. Thank you. Good question. Just ask the operator to put through the next caller. Sarah Comedina, Global News. Hi, uh, this question is for the minister. Um, regarding the public safety with what we're seeing in violent crime, you said you have to think of out-of-the-box yeah. ways to deal with it. And I'm just wondering if the government is looking at investing in more mental health or looking at the affordability crisis that could be having people maybe turn to organized crime because they're so desperate. I'm just wondering, is that part of the out-of-the-box thinking? Well, I, I can tell you from not only my own experience, but also from what the reports I'm hearing from law enforcement is that uh, organized crime is preying upon the vulnerable people. And uh, that is becoming uh, something that um, is deeply concerning for me right now. And when I say preying upon the vulnerable people, they prey upon vulnerable people um, uh, taking advantage of their government checks as an example that they might get. They prey upon them um, with, with some of whom may have severe mental health and addictions issues. Um, there are reports of, of organized crime uh, charging fees and essentially taxes uh, to use certain services in both, uh, both in Edmonton and Calgary. Uh, that sort of stuff um, Again, we have to work with the local law enforcement community. Uh, you know, sometimes I do wish I was a cop, but I'm not right now. And, and, and as I've said very clearly, I cannot direct law enforcement, but I can support them, right? And I can support them by making sure that they have all the necessary resources, um, part of which we are also, as you are fully aware, is creating the recovery-oriented system of care, for which I am one of the architects behind, that part of that system of care is to help those vulnerable people. And I, I, I agree with you. We don't want them to fall into uh, further pain and suffering. We do not want them to um, go down um, any form of a dark road. And I would just say that part of the recovery-oriented system of care is to understand that that individual, when entering the system, and we've tried multiple different avenues for a person to enter the system, but essentially go on a journey of wellness, right? Entering in the system, journey of wellness, and exiting the system in a better place from which they started. Well, what does that mean? I appreciate you, you likely want to ask that as a further follow-up. Whether you enter the system through social services, through the police, uh, through any other mechanism, including picking up the phone and calling 211 as an example, you can, you can get treatment for your mental health and addiction issue, as we've said time and time again. Uh, addiction itself is a neurobiological illness. It requires medical attention. And then we want to make sure that holistically that person is helped but also to make sure that that individual 
when we talked about these recovery centers, which you heard we're building 11 world-class recovery centers in the province of Alberta, we want to make sure that individual not only gets help for their severe mental health and addiction issue, but we also want to make sure that that individual gets skills so that they have, um, that they get a job when they, when they leave that facility. We want to make sure they have a place to live. We're trying to stop the cycle of abuse. We're trying to stop the recidivism, right? And again, exiting the system in a place of wellness, uh, which I think is ultimately the goal. So this is something that we have to continue to build capacity within the system. And we are going as fast as we can, and we're building as quick as we can. Again, I encourage anyone to take a look at what we've started in the Red Deer area. I know the gun facility is going to be opening up very shortly, which is just outside of, uh, of, uh, of Edmonton, as an example. Uh, Lethbridge is going to be opening up very soon, and then we're in the... the planning stages for other uh, facilities as well. Again, I, I give a two-hour PowerPoint presentation, but I want to bore you. You guys have other things to do. Um, did you have a follow-up question, Sarah? Yes, I do. Um, speaking to a criminologist, he was mentioning other major cities in the U.S. who face significant crime issues, and that Edmonton is now over a million people, so we're starting to see these big city problems. It just sort of feels like, at this point, you know, Will we ever be able to tackle the significant crime issues if, it's, if we're starting to see these big city problems? Like, I know it's unrealistic to think violent crimes go away, but is it a possibility to see it lessen realistically? Well, the simple, simple answer is yes. And as I've indicated before, policies matter, right? Um, and as I've indicated before, the, the soft on crime approach that the federal government has taken has created an environment that has allowed organized crime to thrive. And some of the things that you're seeing right now are essentially turf wars. And I can tell you that, um, um, and I've said this uh, over the past uh, number of years when I had the pill press bill, which is the first bill in Canada to even, uh, even think about addressing the opioid crisis way, way back in the day. Um, you know, some of the feedback I got from law enforcement was that the small investment of ten, twenty thousand dollars was yielding huge returns. And when, you, when you're talking, and we're talking in the millions of dollars in returns, and when you're talking about that level of profitability, and then you're talking about the likelihood of going to jail is quite slim, then that is a risk that organized crime is willing to take. So. It's in, when I say organized crime, I, I'm not just talking about, you know, a local, uh, you know, local group that has been started in, in, started in whatever that municipality might be. We are seeing organized crime coming in from all across the world. We're seeing we're seeing cartels coming here and setting up shop again. It's the level of accountability, risk versus reward. And if I if I cross the border and I do the same thing in a, in one of the states, I'm looking at going to jail for X number of years. When I'm doing the same thing in, in Canada, and I'm looking at, you know, well, first of all, it'd be tough to keep the person in pretrial custody, and then secondly, if I do get convicted, what's the consequence? What house arrest or less than, less than two years in jail? Again, organized crime is going, yeah. For millions and millions and millions of dollars, they're willing to take that risk. So, again, you heard me say this. I have to figure out ways how to think outside the box to constrict it so it's not profitable for them to continue to do business in this province, but also making sure that they uh, – making sure that we are trying to keep the public safe. 
Um, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to uh, thank everybody for coming. If you have any follow-up questions, uh, you can just email me. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it.